0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at BethanyNaz.org.
1: I was at Home Depot the other day and and I just checked out and I'm walking out the door and so when I get to the door right before I, I exit there's a guy who comes walking by me pretty fast and if I just guessed his age I would guess that he was maybe uh, 15 years older than me or so, maybe maybe 70 or so years old. And as he comes walking by me, all of a sudden the alarm goes off. There's this bump, bump, bump sound. And I guess there was something with a security attachment to it um, that was worth, you know, a lot of money. And so the security attachment was still attached when he walked out the door. And so um, I'm thinking, does he even know that he just got beeped, you know? but he doesn't slow down. In fact, he kind of speeds up. And by this time I'm walking out the door. As we get outside, he's moving on and an employee comes by me and says to the guy, Hey! And he turns around and he sees the guy and he runs. And his truck is not far away. He jumps in his truck. He locks the door and he backs out. And the guy does this. He takes his camera out like I'm going to take a picture of your plate. And so instead of backing up and pulling, the guy just backed way up and is... Truck is just kind of bumping and his tires are screaming and just backs around and way up out in the parking lot and then takes off. Can't get his picture. And so I'm just kind of frozen watching this happen. And I don't know what you would think in that moment. But here's what I thought. Seriously? You're 70 years old. And you haven't figured this out yet? Stealing is not a good thing. It's a path that has a pretty predictable destination. You've lived all of these years and you're still trying to figure out how to steal something from Home Depot? It was just kind of mind-blowing to me. I get in my car and as I'm driving away, I begin to think about the series that we're in. And honestly, I'm going to confess to you that sometimes I have the same thoughts when I think about the sermons I've been preaching. Sometimes I think to myself, seriously? You and I, we need somebody to stand up on Sunday and tell us that worshiping together should be a priority in our lives? I mean, really? I mean, some of us have been hanging around the church for a long time. Some of us have had a Bible in our hands for years and years and years. And and Really? we need somebody to stand up and say you know what church should not be something that you do as a last resort or if you don't have something else going on you really should make this a priority in your life and worshiping together should be something that you do every week or do we really need somebody to stand up on sunday and say you ought to spend some one-on-one time with god this week you ought to pray and you ought to read your bible some you really ought to spend some of the time really do we need that Do we need somebody to stand up on Sunday and tell us, you know what you ought to do? You ought to find some way to get in a group or find some way to invest in other believers and other other believers invest in you. Or you really need to find a place to serve or you need to be generous in your giving or you ought to share your faith. We really need to be reminded of this. I mean, don't we know that this is the way of Jesus and this is what God already expects of us? However, on the other side of that conversation, I also am very aware that me standing up here on Sunday morning and saying, You know what you should do? You should make worshiping together a priority. Or you should spend one-on-one time with God. Or you should be in a group. Or you should serve. Or you should give. Or you should share your faith with others. I realize that me just saying it really is not very effective. So let, 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 let let me demonstrate, okay? Here we go. You should... And I'm just quoting Scripture right now, okay? This is out of the book of First Peter chapter 4. You should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now, that's just quoting Bible, okay? So I'm saying it as your pastor. You should, yes, you, you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You might even want to write it down. That's a key verse that we're going to deal with today, okay? In fact, I'm going to ask you to say it to each other. So just turn to the person that's sitting near you. Look them in the eye. Kind of smile. You didn't look at your wife. You're looking at me. No, look at her right there. You right here, Mark. Look at Kim. Okay. So look, look at the person beside you, and just say, "You should use whatever gift you have received to serve others." How many of you would say, "I was just transformed"? I don't see any hands in the room. Nobody is saying that my life just changed and from now on I'm going to be a servant like I've never been before. So I think we have to go a little deeper and I think we have to understand the heart of the person who says it. And by the way, his name is Simon Peter and he actually spent time in the presence of Jesus who was the master at serving others. So grab a Bible. Let's go to the book of 1 Peter and let's go to chapter 4 and I'll start reading with verse 7, okay? So let me say it one more time in case you missed it. That's 1 Peter Chapter Four. I'll begin reading with verse seven. Now, Simon Peter is one of those guys that Jesus said, "I want you to follow me. I want you to be my disciple." He lived in a small fishing village called Bethsaida, and Bethsaida is on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. So, pretend there's a map right here. Okay, you've got Judea, you've got Samaria, and you've got Galilee. And in Galilee, there's the Sea of Galilee on the north side of the sea is a small fishing village named Bethsaida. Simon Peter and his brother Andrew were raised there. Guess who else was raised there? James and John. Guess who else was raised there? Peter. I mean Philip. And so those five young men all lived in that small fishing village, all grew up knowing each other very well because it was only a village of about probably 1,500 people. They were all friends. And Jesus calls all five of those boys to be his disciple. And Peter says, I'm writing... To all of you Christians who have been scattered because you're afraid for losing your life, let me talk to you for a little while. So here's what he says. You ready? The end of all things is near. Just wanted to build you up a little bit and excite you. Okay, there you go. Your life's about over. You feel good about that? That's what he says. The end of all things is near. We'll talk about it, but he believed it. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. He really believed the end of everything was very close. Therefore, if that's the case, here's how we should live. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So, since we don't have much time left, he says it's really important, number one, that you pray. Okay? Now listen. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So the second thing that he says... Is to love one another. The first thing that he said you should do is to... The second thing that he says you should do is... Love one another. Okay? Now verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. The third thing he says is to offer hospitality. So the first thing he says is to... The second thing he says is that you should... The third thing that he says you should do is to... Okay, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. The fourth thing that he says you should do is serve others. So since we don't have much time left, he says you should, number one, number two, you should, number three, you should, could you say it with a little more energy, please? And number four, you should serve. Okay, so let's finish reading. Verse 11. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So this is God's word for us today. Agree? Three of you agree. <laughs> Am I just killing up here? Am I dying over? Is it not working today? We agree? Yes! Okay, we agree. A few months ago, I was preparing for a series. And I was reading through James Brian Smith's Good and Beautiful Community. And he tells a story. He tells a story about while he was working at Friends University a pastor in the neighborhood in the area calls him and says, James, we got a problem. We're a small church. We're mainly older people. And we don't have any young people at our church. And so we do have some resources like money. And we know you have this campus ministry that you're involved in. And we would love to give you a monthly gift for your ministry. And in return, we would like for you to come to our church and teach a Sunday school class and invite some college students to come. And so he said it was a lot of money. And why not teach a class? And so I did. I went to the church and I'm teaching the class. And they're giving me big checks for my ministry every month. And I think it's all going really well. And until one day the pastor calls me and says, James, we have a problem. And he said, what is the problem? And he says, um, your students who are coming to your Sunday school class are not coming to our worship service. They're leaving when it's over. And he said, well, let let me look into it. And James Bryan Smith says, I wasn't staying for the worship service either because I had a home church. But I thought he understood that up front and I was going to go to my home church. So I met with the college students. And I said to them, so do you stay for church? And they said, no, we leave after Sunday school. And I said to them, so why don't you stay for church? And they said, well, nobody's ever really spoken to us. I mean, nobody says anything. We all kind of sit in our little section together, and then when it's over, we leave, but nobody has ever said really anything to us. And honestly, the services are boring, and so we leave. And so James Bryan Smith said, before you know it, the checks stopped coming, and I stopped teaching. A year later, I get a phone call from another pastor in the area. "James, we have a problem. We wish you would help us. Sure, I'd be glad to meet with you. And I go over and I meet with the pastor and this group of people from his church, and they said, we think we have a lot of love to give. And we live in this town with all of these college students, but we don't know any of them. But we think we might be able to be a blessing to them, but we don't know how to even get started. Could you help us to know how that we could bless college students? And he said, well, sure, I I think that college students are always hungry. And they get tired of the food on campus. And so if you want to feed them, I think they would love that. You could bless them by feeding them. And they said, well, we're really good cooks, so we could do that. How else could we bless college students? And he said, well, they're a long way from home, many of them. They don't get a lot of hugs. Although some of them are probably getting lots of hugs. But some of them don't get hugs. And so maybe you could just kind of love on them. And they said, well, we've got lots of love to go around. And so they talked many times. And finally, James Bryan Smith said, I think you guys should invite some college students to your church. And they said, oh, we didn't think that was a good idea because we don't really have any guitars in our services. Not that they believed like some that God hates guitars, they just didn't have any at that time in their services. (laughs) And James Bryan Smith said, I don't think it really matters. If you want to love them and you want to feed them, I think they'll be okay. And so one day, he says, I showed up with about a dozen university students. And man, at the back door, before they could even get in, everybody in the church has hugged them. I mean, they take them after church to the fellowship hall, and I mean, they undo this incredible feast. And these students eat, and they eat, and they eat. And he says, to make a long story short, I still attend that church today. And then he says, let's talk about the difference in the two services, churches. The first church was concerned about themselves. The second church was concerned about others. The first church was focused on what's going to happen to us. The second church was focused on What's going to happen to them? The first church was all about taking care of our future. And the second church was all concerned about taking care of their future. Now, here's the bad news. You want a little bad news? (laughs) We are very affected by our world, our culture. And if every one of us in the room got really honest with each other this morning about what we value and what's important to us, you would hear things like, well, my personal happiness is really important to me. I mean, I want to be happy. I mean, money is really important to me. You've got to have some money, right? I mean, my own success, that's pretty important to me. I mean, having my needs met, that's important to me. But what if... What if we begin to live our lives this other way, this upside down kind of way, this kingdom of God kind of way where we said, you know what really matters to me? What really matters to me is your happiness. And what really matters to me is that you have enough money. And what really matters to me is your success. And what really matters to me is that your needs are met. And the only way, the only way we will ever be able to think that way is when we are convinced that in this kingdom of God that we are a part of, God is taking care of me. And I am now free to take care of you. God has got me covered. He is watching over me. He is providing for me. He loves me. He worries about me. He takes care of me. And now I am just as free as I can be to say I can help take care of you. So in this little paragraph that I read to you. There is some incredible truth, and I want us to start uncovering that truth together. So let me start by saying this. I remember going into a hospital room early one morning because I heard that my friend had been taken to the hospital late that night. And on my way to the office that morning, I stopped by the hospital, and when I walked in, it was a pretty solemn setting. It was my friend and her husband, and they were about our age. They attended our church. They were friends to me and Annette. We'd eaten many meals together. And I wasn't quite prepared for what I was going to hear, okay? And here's what they said The doctor just left. In fact, you probably met him in the hallway. I mean, he just walked out the door. And we've made some decisions. What kind of decisions did you make? No more treatments for my cancer, we're done. I'm trying to adjust and I'm trying to process the information like they are because they've heard it for the first time too. And I want to ask a question, but I'm not willing to ask the question because it seems like I probably shouldn't say it yet. But I want to know if he talked about a time frame. I want to know, did he say, how long do you have left? Like, if no more treatments, how long are you going to live, Lynn? And finally, her husband Jeff says, he told us we're probably looking at two to three months at the most. And immediately, this is where my head goes. What can we do for her? How can we serve her? If she's only got three months left, what can we do to enhance, to better her life? What can we do to bless her? So, if you were in that position, what would you want? If you knew you only had two or three months to live, what would you want to do? And I'm wondering if anybody's looking at me saying, well, Rick, the first thing I would do is try to patch things up with God because things aren't what they ought to be. And if I knew I was going to check out of here in three months, I would want to get things right with God because I'm not right. And I wonder if there's others who would say, I've got some relationships that aren't good. Man, if I knew I had three months, I would go try to make those right because they're not right and I can't die like that. You know what I'm saying? And I wonder if some people would say, I got a bucket list. I mean, there's a few things I want to do. I mean, if I've only got three months, then I want to see some stuff. You know what I mean? I want to make a wish. So, a few years ago, a country music artist. Anybody into country music? Tim McGraw. He sung a song that got my attention because the storyline goes like this. A man finds out he may die soon. And so the question he's asked is, so what did you do? And he said, I went... (laughs) Seriously? I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter... And I gave forgiveness I've been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year I lost my dad. And I finally read the good book. And I took a good long hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. Sometimes, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Okay, you ready? The people that Simon Peter's writing to, you ready? They lived their lives like they were dying. You remember the text? The end of all things is near. (laughs) You realize we only have a little bit of time left? I mean, they believed this is not an accident, not a mistake in the writing, not a mistranslation. I mean, this is what they believed. They believed they only had a little bit of time. They believed Jesus was coming back, and they believed that would necessitate judgment day, and that the end of life as we know it would come to a complete halt. Now, why did they believe that? Because one day Jesus said to them, I am going to my father's house. And if I am going to my father's house, I will come back and get you and take you to be with me. And after Jesus appeared with them for 40 days after the resurrection, okay. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Then they watched him literally ascend into heaven. An angel says, as you have seen him go into heaven, you will see him come back again. And so they believed in their lifetime that Jesus was going to come back. It would necessitate judgment and that the end of the world as they knew it would come to an end. And they lived as if we only have a little bit of time left. So you tell me something. Why? Why do you and I, why do we spend so much energy and pour so much and to this life, as short as it is compared to the next world that will be forever. I read in my devotions this morning by John Henry Jow, one of my favorite devotional writers, who said, we cannot regard ourselves only as pilgrims of time, but we must view ourselves as children of eternity. So why do we give all of our energy to this short time that we spend on this earth when most of all of our time will be spent in eternity? I mean, when this life is over, forever begins. And so what He does, this is the truth. Since we only have a little bit of time left, okay? Since we don't have much time, you know what we should do? And He doesn't challenge them with Tim McGraw's song to check off the bucket list. And He doesn't challenge them to take care of their own souls, or to shore up relationships that are wrong. Here's what he says. Since we have so little time left, we really need to consider others and spend all of our time on them. So let's love each other deeply. I mean, let's love each other. Let's offer hospitality to one another. Let's use whatever gift that we have to serve one another. Because we only have a little bit of time left. And that is the way you think when you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. See, the world would say, no, no, no you got three months? Well, you need to spend it on you. But in the kingdom of God, there's this upside down kind of thinking that makes no sense to the culture that we live in. That says, if you've only got three months, then you really should invest that on others. Love deeply. Offer hospitality. And he says, without this grudging heart. You know what I mean? You ever have people come to your house and say, well... Somebody said to me, they stayed seven nights at your house. I said, yeah, and I never thought they were going to leave. I mean, I've said that. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, don't do it like that. You offered it without holding a grudge. You do it willingly. Live with your arms wide open to everybody you see. And use whatever gift that God has given you to serve other people. So I think the question is, what gifts do you have then you should use whatever gift you've been given to serve others that's what the word of God says you should use whatever gift you've been given to serve others now let's see if there's some good news in it Okay, I was eating dinner with some folks last night Danny and Sonia, who are relatively new to our church. And as we were talking, Sonia says, or somehow comes up, that Sonia has been going over to Two Lakes on Wednesday evenings to serve at the pantry. Help with giving out food, loving on people, etc. And, and Annette, my wife, says, I want to hear about it. Tell me about it. What's, what's it like? And she goes, oh, it's, it's great. She says, there's this little boy over there that I just I fallen in love with. And I get to hold him a lot. And I got a picture that Sonia doesn't know I have. You'll be shocked, Sonia, when you see the screen in a minute. Can we see that? And she goes, he just drools on me and just loves on me. And I just get to hold him. She says, but now it's a kind of thing to where that every time I go into the pantry, the people who come there, they all hug me. And she said, I got in my car on Wednesday night when I'm leaving the pantry. And I sat down in my car and I just thought, I love this. It changes us. I mean, when we serve, God uses it as one of those practices to change us. But, But here's something that's maybe even better than that, okay? And you find it in verse 11. So he says, when you preach or when you serve, whatever you do, you you, you don't do it with this attitude of, uh, here, I'm giving you from my resources. No, you you, kind of give it, this is what God gave me, so I'm just passing it on. But you never want to be seen by man. You never want to do it in such a way that people look at you and say, oh, you're a really nice guy. No. You want to do it in such a way that people see God. And so think about this. You're telling me that when I serve others, I get to be part of God bringing his kingdom to earth, and I actually point people to God. So look at the person sitting beside you, grin, smile. You're saying, I'm not doing it again, aren't you? I did it once, I'm not doing it again. You should use whatever gift you've received. To serve others. All right, so I want you to stand with me, okay? You think you think you could uh, just focus real well? Just use all the energy you have to look at me right now and just listen closely. So we're in this we're in this forty day journey together, and and I've been asking you to do a few things. I've been asking you to consider adding or improving on six practices. Making worship, being together, a priority in your life. And the fact that you're here today tells me that that you're focusing on that. That's a good thing. I've been asking you to to pray. To spend one-on-one time with God in the Word and prayer. I've been asking you to consider how you might invest in other believers' lives. And how they might invest in yours a small group or whatever that looks like to you. I've been asking you to serve. Find somewhere to serve. I've been asking you to give, to be generous. And I've been asking you to share your faith. And, And from early on, I believed in my heart that it was not a question of will God transform people. God is transforming people. So this week, a college student said to me, Pastor Rick, I'll just say this to you. I've been praying in the mornings, every morning. And I've been praying in the evenings. And I can tell you, it's transformational. It's changing me. See, here's what the question is. Will I place myself before God and ask Him to change me? And you're hearing stories like Butch's story this morning. That's a changed life. And sometimes deep in your heart you have this sense, I want I want to be changed. But you come to church and you listen to the sermon. And by the time the Amen is said, you're off on your day, and life is full and busy. And you come back the next Sunday and say, Oh yeah, I was gonna try to maybe pray. Or I was gonna try to find somewhere to serve. Maybe today is the day just to put the pause button. And just to look at your own life really closely and to be honest with God about where you are in your walk. And ask yourself the hard questions and have an honest conversation with God. And so before we go, I'm just going to say, as as we sing, here are some altars and you can come here and pray. Now... You don't have to pray about only that. You can pray about whatever you need to pray about. In fact, we'll have pastors on each side of the altar. And if you want one of them to pray with you, they will. If you want to be prayed for for healing, they will anoint you with oil and pray for you. Or if you have somebody that you love that you want to pray for, you can come and pray for them. Uh, I got a couple daughters. I always feel a need to pray for my kids. Or maybe there's something going on in your life where you just feel like you need to pray. Or maybe this morning you want to come to know Jesus. You want to be forgiven of sin. You want to be born again. You want to be born of the Spirit. You want your whole life to change. You can come this morning. Pray. Get with a pastor. They'll pray with you. And so as we sing, let's just feel free to come and spend some time praying before we go. Okay? David, will you come here, over here, please?
0: Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength and would you love and serve your neighbor as yourself before yourself go in his peace and his love today you are dismissed you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org.